Welcome to The Rebound, where we'll explore the issues facing supply chain managers as our industry gets back up and running in a post-COVID world. This podcast is hosted by Abe Eskenazi, CEO of the Association for Supply Chain Management, and Bob Troublecock, Editorial Director of Supply Chain Management Review. Remember that Abe and Bob welcome your comments. Now to today's episode. Welcome to today's episode of The Rebound, Simplifying Digital Transformation, New Research and New Tools for Building Digital Capabilities. I'm Bob Troublecock. And I'm Abe Eskenazi. And joining us today is Peter Bolstorff. Peter is the Executive Vice President for Corporate Development at the Association for Supply Chain Management. Peter oversees ASCM's corporate solutions, including talent development, transformation, and sustainability. In addition, he's the author of Supply Chain Excellence, a handbook for dramatic improvement using the SCORE model. So Peter, welcome. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, Abe. Looking forward to the discussion. We're looking forward to it as well. Last December, Abe and I had Chris Richard, a principal in the supply chain and network operations practice at Deloitte Consulting as a guest on The Rebound. We in supply chain love acronyms. And Chris was here to talk about two. DSN and DCM. The first stands for Digital Supply Network, and the second is a reference to a digital capabilities model for digital supply networks. DCM is the new reference model from ASCM to complement and enhance the SCORE model that so many organizations already use to improve their supply chains. The idea is that new digital technologies and capabilities call for a new strategy, what Richard and his colleagues at Deloitte are calling a digital supply network or DSN. It's a different way to think of the SCORE model that has served the industry so well. But Peter's here to continue that conversation. And that's because there's a little bit of news. And that's that the SCORE digital standard, as well as DCM, are now available to the public. You can gain access by creating a free online ASCM account on ASCM.org. At the end of this, we've included a link in the show notes for the episode. So this seemed like an ideal time to revisit the topic with Peter. And Peter, I want to start with what sounds like a simple question, but one that I think means something different to every organization. What's digital transformation and how are companies operationalizing it? So, okay, I lied. It's two questions. So let me kind of take this in in pieces. So I look after our 200 corporate clients uh, that are are part of the ASM ecosystem. And so we get a perspective every day to see, you know, supply chain excellent companies, um, you know, doing the things that they do. There are two particular research uh, pieces that I'm going to use as we kind of go through this. One is is a research piece we did with EIU on resilience. And the other was a project that we worked on with TCU uh, on recessionary recovery and and the relationship with supply chain excellence. And I guess the key point from both of those, Bob, is that we kind of put people into two buckets, leaders in supply chain and laggards. And one of the things that we found is there's this emerging group of companies, you know, who have woken up and smelled the pandemic, you know, and, you know, they're, they're moving as fast as they can out of the laggard group into that uh, low-end leader group. So those are the two perspectives that I'm going to have. To answer your questions directly, I think transformation, if we go back and we we turn back the the hands of time a bit, if you recall, there was this business process re-engineering. 
you know, that, that happened, you know, in the 90s and in the early 2000s. And that whole idea was, how do we rapidly improve processes, technologies, and people? And I think digital transformation is, is kind of the digital version of BPR. I think the thing, though, that, that we want to, to keep in mind is the difference is it's a tighter weave of technology and process. You know, so whereas 15, 20 years ago, you know, we could engineer a process and, and move the needle on performance. I think now with innovation and, and all the capabilities that are, that are being produced by technology providers, there's a tighter weave between people shifting from analog to digital culture and then processes that are enabled by artificial intelligence and, and things of that nature. So when we think about companies operationalizing digital transformation, it's really going back and redefining this idea around people, process, and technology in defining business value and changes that, that companies want to make to their supply chain and you know, greater business. Peter, you bring up an interesting point, and that's juxtaposing digital transformation with EPR, the you know business process redesign. Often, you see a company go after a particular issue within their business process redesign, is taking as opposed to taking a look at the the entire system, like boiling the ocean. So, when you take a look at digital capabilities that companies are evaluating, how do they pick the right ones? Given that we've got such a a long supply chain for the organization. What gives them the, you know, the essence of this is the area that we need to approach with digital capabilities? Great question, Abe. Again, I'm going to focus on what are leaders doing. I think leaders are looking at their supply chains from an end-to-end -end standpoint, you know, so from supplier, supplier to customers, customer. First of all is where do I need to apply digital capabilities within my supply chain? And, and with the pressure and all the commitments that we see on ESG and, and CSR initiatives on uh, net zero capabilities, I think that's just gonna double down on expanding it, not just from supplier, supplier, but supplier, supplier, supplier. Again, when we think about ethical requirements and, and all of those things. So the first thing is defining the scope of digital capability. And I think the second one then is, is really looking at the flavors or the areas of where capabilities would add business value. So if we think back to the score model, you know, we have plan, source, make, deliver, return, and enable. That's served the industry, as Bob mentioned, well over time. As we think about, and that's, and that's basically, a, I'm going to call it a linear process, hierarchical process model. As we pivoted into this digital age, we needed a new tool, needed a new tool set, um, the digital capabilities model that really thought about groups of capabilities that related to each other. You know, so things like connected customer, intelligent supply, smart operations, synchronized planning, product development, dynamic fulfillment. And so I, I think companies are largely trying to, to sort out today, where do they get the biggest bang from a business value standpoint? And one of the lessons that we learned from our score transformation research is that so 90 projects across multiple industries, how a score impacted their, their metrics. We know that um, from that research over a 14-year period of time, that planning is a, a strategic focus area that is the biggest impact in three metric categories, you know, revenue, supply chain costs, and, and inventory terms. Naturally, as we think about, you know, where would companies want to start from a digital capability standpoint, 
we see synchronized planning as a very common place to go. Everybody is kind of striving towards how do I redefine my SNLP, my integrated business planning process? What used to be three-layer chess is now with digital tools, now six-layer chess. So I think to answer directly, Abe, what we're observing is synchronized planning is a safe bet, specifically on sensing you know, demand patterns. Peter, I want to ask you a question about innovation. And I'm going to ask you a question about innovation. But first, you used a term twice that I think it's actually good for us to explore here for a moment because it goes to something that uh, Richard talked about last year. And you use the phrase linear, right? And, and we used to think of the supply chain and even like our suppliers, you know, the tier three uh, provide something to the tier two, which provides something to the tier one, which provides something to me. And then I go to a warehouse and right. so on, very linear. And this idea of a digital supply network, which is part of the digital transformation, it's a different animal and it's not linear. Would you mind just take a minute to explain what we mean by that? And then I'll uh, ask you what I was going to ask you about transformation and innovation. You know, when we think about process mapping, we think about inputs and outputs. So you have a process in the middle, you have something that moves from left to right, process does something, and then there's an output and it goes to the next process step. And largely technology 10, 10 you know, 15, 20 years ago, operated in that same thing. I'd run this, I'd run this module, and then I would get an output, and then I'd run this module, and then I would run this module. Today's technology, all modules run at the same time. And so when you start to think about digital capabilities, and, and you have more tools that are doing more things. So when we think about asynchronous, think about uh, processes that are more circular, and they're connected relationally to each other. Um, so one process may be connected to while other, um, you know, capabilities. Again, what I'm going to encourage the, the listening audience to do is, you know, as we, as we talked a little bit about how you get access to this one, it's a pretty intuitive model. But as you click around on the six capabilities, you're going to be able to see these level two capabilities and then how they relate to the other ones. And so I, I think a you know, picture is always going to be a thousand words. I think the key point on that, Bob, is that people need to have, you know, I'll call it foundationally, a score linear supply chain, the foundational thing. And then as they start to think about where am I going to invest in digital capabilities, they need to pick the ones that are going to drive the most business value. And then as part of the prioritization and scoping, you know, they're going to have to not just take that capability, but all the things that are related to it. Again, yeah, this would be one of those times, Bob, where I wish I had uh, a whiteboard. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> So we're we're audio, not uh, not video. We yeah, I know, I know, our, I know. We have to expand our digital capabilities. Okay, yeah. so back to the question I was going to ask. I'm sure that ASCM experienced this uh, in your event. I experienced this in my event, and you and Abe and I and Helly and your team, we toured the DHL Innovation right. Center, right? So yeah. digital transformation is becoming synonymous for innovations and. Many organizations like DHL, you know, have a VP of innovation who's engaged in digital transformation and is kind of separate from day-to-day -day operations. So right. how are ASCM's corporate members addressing innovation and digital transformation? Great question, Bob. I'm going to put two words together that are going to sound weird, and I'll talk a little bit about why I put them together. But one of the things that we've observed is this idea around standardization fuels innovation. Right, and so, so sometimes people have a hard time connecting those two dots. But here's, here's what I mean by that. 
if you think about doing a maturity assessment and, and we'll use supply chain for the moment, but, and you say, gosh, I'm a one, I want to be a five. What we're finding is standardized processes using score, for example, can get you from one to three. And what that allowed you to do is to say, well, once I'm at a three, you know, and my supply chain is, is uh, kind of like a Tesla, it's in autopilot, it's being able to, to drive by itself. You can now then have enough time and enough mental capacity to start thinking about which of those 32 digital capabilities do I really want to invest in that would drive business value for my organization. Along with that, Bob, we know just from our own research that organizations are only using 30% of the technology they bought five years ago. So a large part of digital transformation is just using what I have using standardized process. There's latent return on investment just sitting there waiting to be had, which then allows me to then invest in the right capabilities to move ahead and drive competitive advantage. So when we think about innovation, to me, standardization is part of that formula. So that's kind of part one to to what I wanted to, to talk about. The other one is innovation is really a company driven thing, not just a supply chain so let me describe that. So let's just use corporate social responsibility and ESG commitments that are being made seemingly every day. People are putting new goals out there for 2030, 2040, 2050. To be able to meet some of those objectives, three things at least have to change from an innovation standpoint. The first is products. So as we think about R&D and we think about how we're developing products today, how do we start thinking about developing products that are circular? meaning they, they use waste streams to be able to produce the product and then they, they're able to then recycle that product either through repair or, or other means into new products in the future. So at some point, you're going to have to put a flag out there that says, you know, here's when I'm going to start that whole process. That's more than just the supply chain. Obviously, it, it now includes, you know, how do I identify sources of supply to be able to help me with those kinds of innovative things and provide the materials that that can support those kind of requirements. The second one, which we see a lot, is the idea around infrastructure. How do I make my headquarters building greener, net zero? How do I think about my factories? Um, how do I think about my warehouses and, and those kind of things? So how do I invest in infrastructure that meets this green point of view? And then the supply chain, let's, let's talk about the big one, that's, that's transportation. But in supply chain, you also have some of the other ethical things to consider. How do I make sure that within my supply base, they are working towards the same end that that I am from an organization standpoint? So we see, in addition to these VPs of of innovation, you also see a lot of chief sustainability officers. And and so you've got the chief chief supply chain officer, the the chief sustainability officer, and the the head of R&D trying to figure out how am I going to move my company to the next level as we think about um, CSR. So long answer to your short question, Bob. Peter, let me yeah. shift gears just a little bit here and talk about DCM. And sure. Give our audience a little flavor as to what we're doing with it and what it is at ASCM, how we view it. Great. So the first thing, uh, all of you that are listening is, you know, as soon as, as we finish here, you're go to the show notes and figure out how do you get a, an account and actually go look at the model. But the DCM is, is built on two levels. So level one, really is comprised of of six major digital capabilities, as I mentioned earlier. Connected customer, dynamic fulfillment, synchronized planning, 
intelligence supply, smart operations, and product development. So if I click on one of those, you're going to see a series of level two capabilities for each one. So for example, within synchronized planning, you would see rapid demand supply uh, matching. Within intelligence supply, you would see automated, you know, AP kinds of things. So, you know, the first big question people would have is, what area do I want to think about? Let's say it's synchronized planning. And then within synchronized planning, which of those capabilities do I have today? And which of those capabilities are going to add a competitive advantage for me? And so people would use the DCM model to, A, understand basic definitions. Again, we're proposing this as a global standard. It would help prioritize their capabilities. It would help scope the boundaries of the capabilities that I want. So I may think about rapid demand supply matching as a capability, but there are aspects of connected customer intelligence supply and and smart operations that are also necessary to make the rapid demand and supply capability work. Then it also then has some tools that assess your baseline maturity. And there are some um, examples that would define aspirational goals in maturity. Um, There are personas that would describe what work looks like before and after the capabilities are implemented. Um, and then it would also illustrate technology enablers, again, which is a very tight weave now, you know, with the capabilities. So companies are using it today to kind of help assess where they're at and then chart goals on where they want the maturities to end up. Peter, when we were talking about, um, you know, the, the linear supply chain and DSN, yep. uh, one of the things that you'd said was, you know, you kind of want to have as a foundation a linear supply chain, and then you build from there. So when we talk about DCM, is it a replacement for SCORE, an extension of SCORE, a complement to SCORE? And can you give us some examples of how companies are using the two together? Right. I think in its current state right now, I would describe it as a digital extension. And we had a digital task force that our board initiated several years ago. And one of the conclusions was SCORE was not helpful in prioritizing and defining digital capabilities. Rather than trying to carve up the whole elephant at once, we uh, launched with Deloitte the build of the digital capabilities model as an extension, uh, meaning that it's, it's bi-directional. If I use SCORE, there's a, there's a link and a relationship to DCM and vice versa. That exists today. As we vision this in the next three to five years, we see actually one model. Um, that incorporates best of both. SCORE is missing product development at the moment and the the ability to connect to customers. Again, as part of our SCORE um, for 2030 project, we're actually looking to rectify that. So that's how we would look at it today. Today, it's an extension. Uh, They both work forwards and backwards. Um, In the future, we see one overall standard coming out of this one, you know, as it relates to SCORE. As for the example, I guess the one example that I've used, we go back to the resilience research. One of the things that we observed in leaders in, in our resilience effort in, in 2020 was when did they make the digital investment and how is it helping them actually achieve competitive advantage through the COVID pandemic? I, I'm going to use a particular uh, retailer, a uh, global retailer, you know, that had operations everywhere. And, and so they had started their own digital transformation in 2017. The first place that they started was inside of synchronized planning 
on how do I invest wisely in demand sensing. The idea in demand sensing, of course, is how do I collect point of sale data? How do I collect you know, my own promotional impact data? But in addition to that, how do I start collecting social data and consumer data, things that are not just related to my, my particular product or my particular trade? So they started that investment. And in November of 2019, right, just as, you know, again, think about the milestone was February of 2020, which is when the U.S. then said, hey, you know, we've got to do something here. In 2019, they started to see demand shifts using this new capability in where consumers were buying their product. And they were not buying them in stores in, in Asia anymore, in China specifically, they were buying them online. And it wasn't just one of those things where it shifted a little bit, it was like, boom. And so as they started to ask the question, why did this shift occur? They started to get out of the social and what I would call consumer data, this whole idea around, gosh, we've got you know, a disease running around and you know, we don't wanna go into stores anymore. And yet we still wanna buy the good. So they were able to, uh, in November, get a sense of that. And then as part of their synchronized planning cycle in December, they were able to look at, okay, how do I rapidly match my supply? Because again, largely a large part of the inventory had been positioned to support store replenishment. How do I now start to think about using that inventory to now replenish my e-commerce warehouses? Because again, at the end of the day, that's where the demand was shifting to. Um, so that I can continue to sell that. So they made those changes as part of their synchronized planning, their, their SNLP process in December, and they were able then to start positioning inventory properly. And as they brought in new supplies, they were able to have them in the right place at the right time. Again, everybody had supply shots, right? So nobody escaped unscathed there, but they were able then to, to have a higher average service level with, with fewer stockouts, higher average service and their revenue was not shocked, like, like many folks. They knew, they knew it was coming. They were able to maintain a higher average factory utilization because they were able to, um, and lower transportation costs because they didn't have to reposition as much inventory as others who would not have known that. And they were able then to take, I'm gonna say shelf space or, or market share away from competitors because competitors again were, or floundering on, or not knowing, you know, and, and they didn't wake up until recognizing it in February. So they had almost a five-month lead time on being able to respond to that. That's a, a more detailed example. Again, I want to think about this one. Those are investments that were made in 2017, 2018. And so when we think about digital transformation, it's almost getting to be BPR-like. So the question that, that we're asking is, you know, what's next? What have we learned out of this pandemic from a resilience standpoint? And, and where do we see leaders starting to invest next? Automation, visibility, agility, you know, things of that nature. Peter, really fascinating. Last question for you. Um, we're all excited about making this open access for, yeah. for individuals and companies. Uh, can you give a sense to the listeners uh, who's eligible and how can they access it? Uh, if you're listening, you're eligible. Um, Ian, if you're not listening, you're eligible. So we'll, we'll leave that at the eligibility standpoint. Secondly, I, I think Bob had mentioned they're going to put in the show notes. What we're asking you to do is to create a, an ASCM you know, account, not going to cost you anything. And when you get access, then um, you're going to be able to click on the DCM model or the store model or both. And you're going to be able to use it again as a reference. You're going to be able to use it as, as part of a project. 
we have jobs of training sessions um, that we're looking to introduce here as we get into the new year. So stay tuned for that. Um, those will be posted on the website as well. Yeah, so don't hesitate. Make this a Christmas or a, a holiday a gift to you and your friends. Really exceptional stuff, Peter. And I think we're, you know, our hope is that individuals do gain the insight from the, you know, DSN and the DCM models and see how it impacts their organization. That is all the time that we have today. Special thanks to our guest, Peter Polstorff. And finally, a special thanks to all of you for joining us for this episode of The Rebound. We hope you'll be back for the next episode. For The Rebound, I'm Abe Ashkenazi. And I'm Bob Troublecock. All the best, everyone. Thanks. The Rebound is a joint production of the Association for Supply Chain Management and Supply Chain Management Review. For more information, be sure to visit ASCM.org and STMR.com. We hope you'll join us again.